Sharing racing stories with the people he's met over four decades in racing. For the next half hour, Sean Cosgrove presents Cozzy and Friends. And 26 to 10, I'll be chatting with people you often don't hear too much about. And uh, in their own right, they're superstars in the racing industry. Next Saturday, we're having a chat with trainer Gwenda Johnston. But this morning, it's yearling sales time. One of the best breakers around is Grant Delzeal. He's with you now. How are you, Grant? Very well, Sean, and yourself? Good, good to catch up, and uh, thanks for being my first guest. Now, looking back over the years, you've had a fair bit of success with some nice gallopers. A couple I'll mention, yes. Tears Royal and Lord Aaron. What a good galloper he was. Yeah, not a lovely horse, wasn't he? He's, um, yeah, he's uh, he was very unlucky. Like, you know, he got beat, I think. Um, he got beat in the Blaney. He got beat in the Queen Elizabeth. He got beaten in um, Sandown Stakes. Yeah. Easter Cup, you know, this is you know good group racing. So, so he's just below a good horse, a really good horse. He just kept getting pipped, didn't he? he found one that was too good for him all the time. Unfortunately, yeah, all the time. Yes. Did he yes. win the Terrelgan Cup? Did you get away with one of those? Yeah, he, yeah, he won two Terrelgan Cups, and the next year he ran second and one. Gee, it's a good good effort. Yeah, no, no, he's a lovely animal too. He's a beautiful horse. Well, you mentioned you missed out in the blamey with him, but you knocked one off with Tears Royal. Yeah, yeah, he's um he's uh he's a good galloper too, yeah, a really good galloper. He you know, he had a lot of issues but um he certainly um he's a beautiful beautiful horse. What sort of problems did he have, Grant? Oh just just very straight in front and he used to get a few you know, joint and tendon sort of issues. Just had to space him and look after him. What did you do back then? Did you have water walkers back then, that sort of thing? They wouldn't have been around, would they? No, the beach. Beach, mate. <laughs> that was yeah. your water walker. <laughs> that was it. That was it. But, hey, and it's still probably better, but it's just so time can, you know. Mm. And and with the way councils are and everything else, and you know, just it's just uh, they make it painful for you to get there and use it. With but, ho- you know, if you, if you rig, sorry, I was going to say with horses with iffy legs, the beach is good. Do you like working them on the sand at the beach if they're a bit uh, a bit iffy in front? Oh, that, that heavy sand. You know, like we used to be able to go to that down uh, here at Seaford. And canter along in the heavy sand up up to Frankston, and and there's nothing better for getting them hurt. Just it's fantastic, you know. And, and they don't they don't hurt themselves. They're not going fast enough to hurt themselves. They're getting into the sand, you know, perhaps nine inches a foot, and um, and just you know, it's just fantastic for them. Straight in the water, walk until they cool off, and then uh, same thing again. So you're, you're sort of doing um, a lot of interval work with them, and. And uh, then you can cool them off in the water and walk, walk, walk. But it's just so time-consuming and so um, and so funny with the camp. I think down there now you get about 200 metres, you know, to walk backwards and forwards, and that's it. You mentioned interval work. Do you find that beneficial for horses, interval training? Well, with the right type of horses, you know, some of them, you wind them up and they don't unwind. So, so they, they stay, you know, too high to sort of come back and get their heart rate right down. But the right type of horse, it's obviously it's a fantastic way to train horses. Now, Grant, 2016, a couple of things happened that year for you. You went to Wangaratta one day, got your horse off yeah. the float and found out there were strangles on the track. That's it, yeah. Yeah, we had to shut down for a few days and uh, get all the all the, the experts out, all the eddies out. And, um, and uh, yes, so, yeah, that was, yeah, some funny things happened over the years, didn't there? You know, what was the other thing, um um, uh, yeah, when we had the um, the equine influenza, yeah, yeah, we had that too. So, so yeah, some funny, funny things like that. But um, it, it never amounted to anything that strange thing. 
Now, you were crooked that year as well. You, uh, you had lymphoma cancer. Yeah. Yeah, how'd you know that? Oh, I did my homework. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah no, just a um, bit of Jack the Dancer. And um, I had, uh, I think, uh, oh, six or seven months of chemo and um, radiotherapy. And uh, I was pretty lucky, but because my body coped with the, um, with the dose as well, mm. you know, I was getting huge doses of um, chemo. And um, and I really, uh, after two doses, I thought I was, I was sort of clear, you know, I could feel myself a lot better. But, you know, you still have to go into every fortnight, I think it was, after that for about six months. I think I finished it that year on Christmas Eve. That was the last I heard of it. Well, we're thinking of Dean Lester at the moment, and you've experienced cancer. It, it must be one hell of a shock when you hear that word and it's in the same sentence as your name. Well, you know, if you, if you get around like me and think you're bulletproof, it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a shock to the system. Even, even um, uh, uh, Professor Ali um, Bazargan was my was my man, and um, he said, "Grant, you got this attitude like it's going to bounce off you." I'm telling you, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so next time, all the hair fell out. <laughs> but that really, you know, I, I've got to say, I never really got crook on it. So you know, I had these big, big doses of chemo, and um, and it just didn't affect me that much. Has it worried you since? But obviously, you're fighting fit now. Yeah, no, no, they haven't worried me at all. Yeah, you've been so, blessed, been blessed, haven't you? Yeah. Given another chance, almost. Yeah, just um, I, I had skin cancer once too, a bad one, and so that was all right. So third time lucky, Shawnee. Yeah, you're still here. We can't get rid of you. No, not yet. <laughs> now, Grant, I mentioned your, your career with training. I want to get onto horse breaking in a moment because the yearling sales are coming up, and you're one of the best breakers in, in Victoria and Australia. How did you get involved in racing? Was it in your family all along, or not? No, no. When I was a kid, I left home young, 14, and I worked on a dairy farm. This is uh, in Kiwiland. In New Zealand, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was in Takanini. You know, that was the big racing centre then. And I was working on a dairy farm, and the old bloke, old Mr. Wine, we ended up selling up. So I was only there six months. And do you remember Johnny Davis? Yeah. Um, he trained a lot of jumpers and whatever. Well, he... he um, he leased his place to a guy called Ron Fergus, who was the country's um, leading jump jockey. And and over there, you could ride and train. So I jumped the fence and went and worked for Fergie. And uh, you know, within I just I just I just had this sort of natural thing within within a year of riding over fences, and I'd never ridden a horse before. So I just had, had, had a bit of the gift at riding. And it's probably, you know, you go through life and the thing you, the thing I've been best at is being able to sit on. So um, so that was the start of that. And then I was, uh, when I came here when I was 18, when I was allowed to leave the country without written permission. And um, and I came here and I, I um, looked up John Davis. And next day I started working for Big Rock Joe, McDonald's. Ah, oh, now that would have been education. Yeah, it was. He was a, he was a great bloke. He was a bit rough and tough, but He's sort of not everybody's cup of tea, but he's certainly mine. Yeah, he's a great bloke. I tell you what, he didn't muck around. Not too many beat the, uh, Roscoe, did they? No, no, he's a, he's a pretty hard, hard sort of bloke. But he, he, you know, to me, he's great. He looked after me well. Now, I've got a saga up in the dairy farm of the Darling Downs in Queensland, and one of the absolute joys of dairy farming, for those who've never done it when you're milking cows, 
middle of winter and that wet green tail comes around, slaps you right across the face and gives you an oh, ear full of cow dung. It's a do-doozer, isn't it? Especially when, you know, I work on like an old walk-through shed. Yeah. And, and then you always, you know, hook their hind leg back. <laughs> and um, and I uh, was shitty doing your horrible job too. But anyway, you know, that's uh, the the path you choose. <laughs> it's life, and you've got to get on with it, haven't you, Grant? That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just uh, it's, it's like it's like this job here, breaking the horses, isn't it? You know, it's the best job ever. But you know, it's not all roses either. Now, when did you get involved in the breaking in? Was it with Ross McDonald? No, no, it was with um, Ron Fergus in New Zealand, mm. and um, and then I, I, I went to a guy called um, Donnie Campbell, and I was there for a while, and I, I broke in his horses, and I, I thought, so I was breaking horses when I was 15 or 16, and then when I came here, I started with um, Big Roscoe, and then there's another big um, breaker down Epson called Bob Cooper. And I just sort of just used to go to um, who was ever playing the most at the time, hmm. uh, you know, each year. But because the bacon season only used to go well, probably three, four, five months at the most. Because at those days there was Melbourne sales, Sydney sales, and Kiwiland, and and that was about it. Some sometimes you know you know somebody would go, go to Adelaide and buy a few horses, but that was about it. So when, and then now it's just you know full on all, all year round. Now, Grant, breaking in horses or educating them is probably a better description of it, has changed yes. drastically over the years because when you kicked off, you would have got a lot of horses that probably hadn't been handled much. Yeah, well, you know, look, um, when, uh, when when breaking season started, you know, there's quite often here even, you know, like if I did speaking a bit fiery, yeah, it would come the leg straps and put a hind leg strap on them and hook them up and chuck them on the ground and bag them and do that sort of thing. Well, I, I haven't seen that truly done for more than probably 25, 30 years. It's mm. just, you just, I, I, I can't even find my lead straps. I was looking for them the other week and I just, I don't know where they've gone. Probably in a museum somewhere. Um, you just, you just, when, when they started paying really good money for horses, and rightly so, it all changed. You know, you just, you just have to find a better, um, a better, easier way of doing things, and it's, it's easier for horses, and it's easier for us, and you know, just uh, you know, that, that hooking horses to trees and hooking leg straps up and putting stuff troubles on them and all that sort of thing. Just um, it's just uh, something out of the, the, the dark past. Dinosaur stuff for people listening at yeah, the moment, yeah. Grant, who wonder what you do when you break in a horse, what what it actually is. What are you doing with the horse? Really, just putting a mouth on them. You know, that's that's the first bit. Just just um, putting a roller on, putting them up to a bit. And there's a lot of sales horses that are actually harder to mouth up than um, than, than horses that haven't been handled. You know, the um, even though they're a bit spookier, because the horses that had this you know sales horses, they don't mark up so easily because they've had bits in their mouth all the time, and mm. they um, and, and some of them you know they don't get handled the best either. You know. It's, you know, with the way wages are and everything else, everybody takes a few shortcuts here and there. So, you know, they have all the kids looking after things. We once they used to have, you know, really good stud masters and, and sort of everything's sort of um, cheated a little bit that way. But it's um, end result is it's probably just as hard to mount um, a well-educated horse as it is, you know, a, a spooky horse. Now, when you use the phrase "mark up," that's the bit basically chafing a bit, I suppose, on the on the lip, isn't it? 
Well, just yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you when you do a lot of them, you just work out their personalities. You might get a big strong colt that sort of wants wants marking up a fair bit, so he's a little bit tender. So that when you go to drive them, he's not so you know chargy and and bully and sort of he doesn't want to go too hard. It's easier to sort of slow him up and make him think about things. When he when he's a little bit tender, he's a little flighty, silly, and that's a hardly want touching up at all. Just the slightest bit of pink, and and and. And they'd um, go kinder that way. Now these days, horses come to the yearling sales quite often. There's a, there's a lot of distractions there, but racetracks have a hell of a lot of distractions. Music playing, they've got mounting yards with hedges and goodness what inside them. You've really got to have the horse super educated for them to get to the races and behave and not go off in the yard or go off in the stalls. Yeah, well, you know, they have to learn a lot quickly, don't they? Like, you know, in a period of like. You know, most people want them you know, no longer than six weeks. It used to be a month in the old day. We were all nurse and those sort of blokes. You know, they want them in, in after a month. So, but there wasn't probably so many distractions back then. And there was perhaps better track riders. Yeah. But but nowadays, look, the um, they, they you know some some trainers prefer them to come back and do like I'd break them in six weeks and then come back and do you know, another six weeks pre-training. So it just gets them out of out to the gates and into track and more often sometimes when you break a minstrel from the early sales they get a bit tired and they don't actually learn after a while mm. they're just going around because they're tired so they go to the paddock and they come back fresh and then they go to the to a racing stable and you wouldn't think they're broken in because they're so full of themselves and they're so especially do that month or six weeks when they come back nearly another prep and um and it's better for them and probably better for us because you don't lose your reputation for your fine work now, I'm chatting this morning with Grant Dalziel, who trains Cramp and Wayne, of course, been breaking horses for years. Do you find that certain breeds have certain traits? I remember many years ago, there was a breed called the Sostenudos, and inevitably, they're nearly all bad at the barriers. They play up. Do you find that there are certain breeds like that, Grant? Yeah, well, look look here. Don't, don't, don't we even know what the, want to know what the breeding you know, of horses are because you sort of label them and kid them a stable label them and that sort of thing. But... You know, in the old days, it used to be like Paddy Mees and Lady um, uh, um, oh Bone Ready Castles, and uh, they were some shocking bred horses. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's more even you now. I think even at Studs and that, they wouldn't put up with those those bad horses. So, um, so it's some of them very flighty. Um, you, you'd know some of the old bad breeds. But <laughs> <laughs> there were some shockers. Now, so when a horse comes into the, the, the stables to be broken in, you'd prefer the staff, no one knows what it is, what it's by, anything about it. Just, yeah, that's it. This is just that's horse it. A, here's horse B. That's it, that's it. Just don't, don't, you know, don't label them, you know, like, oh, this is by such and such, or this is all, or they paid a million dollars for this, or, because that'll be the one that breaks its leg or gets hurt. Just, just, just treat them all the same, you know, just mm. treat them with as much kindness as you can. What's been the most troublesome one you've had? What's, what's been one that's taken you the longest before you said to the trainer, OK, you can have it back now? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's pro- probably probably more like barrier horses, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. like, uh, breakers, if you get them from the start, I, I don't think there's one you couldn't say that or you couldn't do. Some of them, you know, they might be shitty for the rest of your life, but... Um, um, as long as you know what they're like, you know, like put blinkers on them and work on blinkers. And, and now, you know, you wouldn't believe how many horses wear hoods now, you know, mm. sort of earmuffs. Um, that sort of thing. And, and they're a big help. Um, 
but there's, there's some barrier horses, you know, they're just on the wrong day, they're just going to be, you know, just be claustrophobic or, or, or whatever their problem is. Um, it's just, um, you know, I don't know. It's just they just have a bad day once in a while, and, and nowadays with the, with the rules about you know going back to the barriers and going, going starting properly, and they have to go in first and stand there, make it difficult work. Do you find with a lot of horses who are inverted commas problem horses, it's actually something simple as that as a claustrophobia or a fear and nervous thing, and that kindness often solves the problem. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Look. And, and sometimes even the track riders just don't, don't have the, the knowledge to ride these sort of horses well. You know, like so, some horses can become very one-eyed. You know, they want to look at you just one side all the time, and they won't straighten up. Well, that's, nowadays you can just use gear. You know, one-eyed blinker. You can use earmuffs. You can. It's, it's just. It's just. Um, it's the, the trainer and, and, and knowing also they're training and to know what sort of gear to use with it. What's the one bit of gear that gets used most at the Grant Del Seal stables when you're breaking in the babies? What's the most popular piece of equipment? Well, start them off in blinkers. Hmm. Just get them going forward and, and get, them, get them happy and, and get them going sort of down the road out in the big yard, get them back, pull them off in a small yard and, um, and just get them used to that, you know, going forward and not worrying about it too much. All, all, all the babies we start, I don't say all, but... You know, there's one, one or two, and perhaps a hundred that don't like blinkers on. But most of them, if, if they can't see what's going on, they go forward and they can see. Yeah, look, any first ride, you can give them a hack down the road. You come back, go back in the small round yard, pull the blinkers off, give them, a, give them a cuddle with a pony, and um, and uh, yeah, it's sweet. Mm. What's the most overrated piece of equipment, Grant? Come on. Most overrated piece of equipment. You look and think this is useless. Yeah. Yeah, oh, some of these fancy bits and crap I've got. You know, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you know, you can, yeah, you know, some, sometimes, you know, there's, 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 these things work well on one or two horses, but people put them on everything. Yeah. Um, Simplicity yeah, might yeah, be the key, you know, is it? Yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. Just, hey, it's easy to say, you know, like, like we use big saddles and, and the last week or so before they go home, they're all on pads and that sort of thing. But, look... I don't. I don't think the track riders are as good now as what they did thirty odd years ago. Just to, and, and, and I don't mean to be sexist or anything else when I say this, but there's probably eighty percent of track riders now are girls, and probably a, a week or two at a horse breakers just to sort of pick up a few skills wouldn't, wouldn't do them any harm either because uh, they come from pony clubs to that, mm-hmm. and. And I think it, w- it just wouldn't hurt to just, just go and get some skills at a, at a horse breaking place or something. And just not even doing horse breaking, but just, just pick up some, some ideas about, you know, why horses go forward and why they don't go forward and all that sort of thing. Well, there you go. You might have uh, provided inspiration for someone at uh, Racing Victoria with the, the training programs they have. Yes, yes. It's just um, it's interesting in itself, isn't it? Yep. So there you go. Another earn for Grant Del Seal. And remember, I'm your manager. I'm on part of the sling too, Grant. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> Mate, it's been great to catch up and have a chat. Uh, the sale's coming up from Melbourne. Typically, how yep. many horses in a week would you have in your stables as breakers, the babies? Oh, when, when, when the babies start, we have 50 here all the time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's a good day to work if you just 50. Um, 
people, my son's doing most of that now, but uh, I, I do a lot of the mouthing mm. and the, you know, get them ready for their first ride. We work with a pony with them and ride a couple here and there. What's been the um, best one you've broken in, Grant? Oh, well, you know, so you go back to Manicato's surrounds, so, so you know, like, you know, uh, Kuna's lanes and, Gee. yeah, I've been, like, I've broken for Murphy for uh, 20 odd years, so, um, so, some of those horses that he had in that time, you know, at one stage when I was, when I was doing it on a lot big time, it was, um, it wasn't a, a trainer at Caulfield I didn't break in for, you know, like, there's, um, there's Murphy, there's Tosca Curtin, there's um, Ralphie, there's Jimmy, Jimmy Kennedy, Angus Armand, I'll go later. Yeah. Um, you know, I was doing his work later, but um, uh, just, you know, Kelly Chapman, there's, there's just, you know, some really, really great horse trainers here, and they're just good people to work for, a good understanding of, of your work and uh, all that sort of crap. And Grant, those good ones, the Gurners Lane, Surround, those sort of horses, Manicato, the minute you jumped on them, did they feel different to the other horses or not? No, oh, perhaps not. Not like Gurney's Lane. He's a scruffy little horse. Um, um, Manicata was a little horse. Saran was always just a beautiful, beautiful animal. But you know, she was by the, um, uh, that horse. She was by was it by a sovereign edition. Mm. She was um, she was a flighty bitch of a thing. You know, the, the, her first prep, but um, then she turned out to be a great horse. Yeah. Mate, it's been wonderful having a chat with you this morning. Have we got a winner in the next week or two in, in work that we might be able to get a little earn out of? I'll ring you. <laughs> Shifty as always. <laughs> Grant, been great catching up, mate. And uh, thank you for thank being you my on. first guest. Thanks, mate. Bye.